0: Welcome back to the CrushCast, a series of discussions specifically for the equitable force, a force for good. Today's session was recorded on October 16th, 2020. It's with Tom Mingone, one of the finest advisors in the history of our company, and he'll share his insights on presentation mechanics, differentiation, and the future of our industry. Enjoy. Tom Mingone, National and Honor Advisor and one of the top five advisors in the history of our 161 year old company.
1: Hey Jim, thanks and good morning. I'm looking forward to sharing some thoughts with you guys this morning. And uh, I hope everybody's staying healthy and safe and getting used to this new work at home environment.
0: I can recall walking by you in 1290 a few years ago and you were telling me about an extremely sophisticated case and you kind of shrugged your shoulder and you're like, it's pretty easy and then you gave me a 20 second explanation of it that actually made it sound simple. So what is your philosophy and what's your process with regards to making presentations to clients? And do you have specific mechanics that you might recommend?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, if you think about the life cycle of an advisor, we get very good at asking good questions and nodding our head and saying, that's interesting. And we're pretty good listeners because we don't have a lot to say yet, right? Then you become a more seasoned advisor and you're sort of in that in-between stage of maturity and you know all this stuff and you can't wait to show everybody how much you know. And then you see their eyes just glazing over because they really don't care about all that stuff. They just want to know, what do I need to do? And how's it going to make my life better? So as you become a more mature, seasoned veteran, I think we go back to talking less, presenting more concisely and simply. And if it doesn't fit on one page and you can't explain it in like sort of a little elevator speech, then it's probably too complicated for the client to digest. So um, I think we take that mindset into all presentations, whether presenting insurance, presenting um, investment ideas, We, we have to make it Boil it down to an understandable way as far as our format for presentation. um, If we're doing a financial plan for someone, I will have my planner in the room. While we do the fact find so that she can also hear and understand the client's goals and objectives and also see their reaction to things when I'm saying something to them she's picking up on. Uh, cues they may have that, that I may not notice, and vice versa. So, having another set of eyes and ears in the room is extremely helpful, especially as she develops the plan. When we get back together and we walk that client through cash flow, we have large TV screens in our offices. So, we put it up on screen, we roll up our sleeves, it becomes sort of a working meeting. And we really spend a lot of time focusing on the, uh, the cash flow page of the e money system to help people realize where all the ins and outs of their money are coming and going for every year of their life going forward. And I preface by saying, financial planning is a set of assumptions, none of which will come true. I just don't know which will turn out better and which will turn out worse. So this is a snapshot of a motion picture and we need to keep looking at this constantly. And that's the advantage of e-money, right? It's an evolving plan. And as the data feeds in, we can update the plan as frequently as we want. So. Uh, that's sort of our mindset on, on presenting, and we use the TV, and we use, uh, but again, I, I don't get too into the weeds with the clients. We'll have the screen up, and I will point their attention to a couple of key things on that screen, and then we'll move on. You don't want them bogged yeah. down in a bunch of numbers.
0: Well, there was a lot there, but you, you make a clear, concise, precise presentation that is easily digestible. You work jointly, so you can take advantage of another set of eyes and ears, and then you provide a visual. People are used to looking at screens. Am I right to assume that most of your presentations today are done on Zoom or or Teams or Join Me as opposed to in the office?
1: Yeah, right now we haven't had a face-to-face
0: meeting. Has that changed your mechanics in any way?
1: Um, not really because we're using the screen anyway in the office yep. and um, it's a, it's just a little bit different not you know it's a little harder to pick up on, on nonverbal cues I think when you're on video I think it's just to be honest with you, I think it's my uh, like I think young people have no problem because they live their lives right. on screens and social media. I think when yep. you grow up in an industry where you, you press the flesh with someone and you shake their hand and that's how you exist. For us old folks, Jim, not to put you in my category, but uh, I think it's a little harder to make that adjustment and pick up the same
0: cues, but otherwise it's pretty But our clients, everyone is used to getting data on the screen and getting their information on the screen. It's a good point. How about joint, joint work today? One of the things from a firm perspective that we've always believed is that the best way to bring somebody into the business is through joint work. And historically, The challenges of doing that, it was the traveling. It was all of the hubbub of getting there and then getting back. Today, that doesn't exist. What do you see as the opportunities for us moving forward with regards to joint work?
1: Well, I think, you know, given this situation and how popular Zoom has become and how, uh, and and I say Zoom is a generic term, it can mean any video conference, obviously, but I think if you start to open your mind to the possibilities on a couple fronts, one joint work, you say, well, what if an advisor in Kansas City wants to do a joint case with me? In the past, the client would expect me to be there. There would be, you know, be very hard to coordinate that kind of a meeting. Now, you know, the, the advisor can be in the conference room with their client. I can zoom in, do joint work with them. And then uh, you know, our office can take it from there and do all the back office work and be seamless for the client. So I think there's tremendous opportunities for joint work. There's also tremendous opportunities to expand our marketplace, right? And then you start thinking about the old world where we wanna have all face-to-face meetings, which means we're limited to our geographic locale. There's a young advisor in the New York Metro branch that long before COVID, he was doing only digital meetings, video meetings you can expand your market nationwide. I mean, there's no limits anymore. So it it really becomes exciting. Um, and, And if we can leverage ourselves that way, we can certainly keep up with some of the fee compression and still have profitable businesses.
0: Geography does not matter anymore. We can spend more time with clients and still have more time in our lives. Let's go to the next one in terms of a vision for the future. So many people are asking about when things get back to normal, but of course there's this school of thought like that they might not, that this may create long-term irreversible and in some cases, positive changes in the world and in our lives. As you look at your practice, as you look at your producer group, what's your vision for the future? What, would, what do you want to drive? What do you want to build?
1: Well, for us, um, so I think to the point we just made, the limits of joint work opportunities become nationwide. Now we have a great reputation around the country with uh, many ac- uh, equitable advisors, and you know, in the past there'd be no way for us to work a case together. Now I think those opportunities are great. But but before that, uh, we we're at a point now where we have a real va- value proposition to advisors from the standpoint of the infrastructure that we've built. I mean, we spend, as you pointed out hours throughout the year advising other advisors on how to build that infrastructure.
0: Efficiencies and support, joint work with no boundaries, and then uh, decoupling the work so that it's really just client acquisition and and handing off the operational items. What would you say is you consider, let's say you're through the first third of your career, you got 32 (laughs) years done and we're looking for another 64, people live a long time. Um, what would you say you're most proud of today?
1: You know, um, you know, I would, it's always hard, you know, because you you don't like to sit around and think of all the things you're proud of in your life. Uh, I think, um, if you spend too much time patting yourself on the back, you're not moving forward. But I would say that the one thing that I think encompasses a lot about who I am is that I've had success on my terms. And whatever people define that as, I, I, I think of myself as a very rich man. And I mean that there are many people with more money than I'll ever even imagine. But I have everything I want in my life. I have a great family. I've been with my wife since we were 16 and 14 years old. And we we built something lasting and something, uh, and, and I never had to sacrifice Uh, my, my um, role as a father, my role as a husband, my time with my family in order to do that. And it goes to what you said earlier about being refreshed. I'll go hard Monday to Thursday. And, uh, and then that doesn't even include vacation. So I I counted the days last year, I think I worked about 130 days. Um, If you take all the Fridays off, and then all the vacations and traveling and everything else. So um, and to your point, it, you don't get your credit for just beating your head against the wall and working hard. You get credit for working smart and you got to set the boundaries. It's almost like when you talked about having a client automatically save money. Well, we have to automatically plan our time off and build our career around it. And we have to be militant about our time off that nothing can encroach on it because it's so easy to make an excuse every Friday why this or that really needs to get done. And I would say that you just focus on being efficient when you're in, don't waste a lot of time, be intense, focused, and the energy comes through to clients when you're busy. They, li- they like to see yeah. a buzzing environment.
0: You know, the only thing that is truly limited for anyone is time. Yet it seems to be the one resource that we are willing to give away without really yeah. thinking it through. Um, what drives you today? Your performance continues to improve year after year after year. You're elevating others. What is it that really gets you rolling, gets you fired up?
1: Well, a couple of things. First of all, I don't like to go backwards. I think I've had two years in my career that weren't better than the year before. So I I like to keep myself moving forward, it's just who I am. But more importantly now, as you pointed out early in the discussion, more important than my own success, is, is building a legacy in an organization that will live beyond my career and to, to help uh, and feel like I play a role somehow in some small way in the success of other people. So it's almost like a, um, an athlete that
0: starts to become uh,
1: first a player
0: coach and eventually just a coach. Maybe there's an opportunity for some magic every single day in terms of lifting someone else up. So the drivers could be as simple as having a positive impact on somebody's mindset on any given day, helping them solve a problem, whether it's personal or professional. When you look into the future of our industry and you consider its current state, do you have some thoughts about where there's an opportunity for a breakthrough?
1: That's a tough one. I, you know, a lot of people are threatened by robo advisor and things like that because they see fee compression in our industry and they say, you know, if I have to go from 100 basis points down to 35 basis points to compete with that, how do I ever make a living? But I think when you think like that, you're, you're as you pointed out, the only thing you have that's limited is time. I think we have to think bigger and understand how to embrace the technology and leverage it. And then to the extent we don't want to be the robo advisor, which I personally don't want to be, then I need to be good at explaining to clients what I'm going to do over and above what they can expect to add value to their lives because it's never about cost; It's always about value. So I think that, um, really positioning ourselves properly. The one, thing that has never been commoditized in our lifetime and i know that may change with computers that can reason is
0: advice tom thank you for your time this morning thank you for your wisdom and your coaching and your philosophies and thanks for the impact that you have on our firm our advisors your clients Uh, you're an inspiration and a model of doing things right thank you What a great discussion. Absolutely loved that. So inspiring, differentiating based on advice. And Tom is driven to help people get to another level. The ultimate player coach. Thanks, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Be proud of what you do.